And welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark, a special edition with a co-worker, a friend, Michelle Johnson, the book Walking the Way of the Cross for Caregivers, subtitled How to Cope Practically and Spiritually When a Loved One is Seriously Ill, available through our EWTN Religious Catalog, rc.com, all things Catholic. Great to be with you. Uh, Thank we, you, Doug. We've shared hallways for many years yes, here. Yes, we have. And worked on many projects together. But this is a project you, you took on yourself. Uh, and it, did it take you about eight years to put it together? How many years was it? Well, yes. Um, it's, it's a very emotional thing to write about. And you know about it because I was working for you as all this was going on. Right. Um, my husband, um, his journey itself was eight years. Um, he had three bouts of cancer. Right. He had his leg amputated up to the hip, and he became a quadriplegic. And you went through that. Right. Uh, What's amazing in your story there is you're talking about your husband's too. He went to the Naval Academy. He was an athlete. Football wasn't good enough for him. He'd rather play rugby. That's right. Uh, it's that kind of a situation. And so many of us today are dealing, uh, as we get older especially, with loved ones who are ill. And, and, and we have to deal with that, and we become a caregiver yes. on the back end of our life, right? That's right. And it's, a, it's something I know that I would have liked to have something like this when I was going through mm -hmm. it. You see a lot of books where they have uh, prayers. There will be prayer books, which are great. Right. Um, or you'll see books where the person says they got a miracle, and they talk you through you know, how great that was. But we didn't get the physical miracle. Right. And I wanted a book that actually took people through from the beginning, from the horror of the diagnosis right. and how to handle that, um, straight through to the end if the, your, your loved one right. does die, which, which mine right. did. Right. I remember Father Benedict said, nobody's permanently healed. Even if you have a miraculous healing, it's only temporary to ultimately you're still going to die. So that's still something we're going to all deal with. At the forward, you, you had our good friend Debbie Giorgiani, who yes. does a radio show uh, for EWTN. Your life is rolling along, and all of a sudden a serious medical diagnosis comes in for your loved one or friend. You realize rather quickly that you'll be the one entering the role of primary caregiver. Now your life shifts in a way you never expected. And we know that Debbie has, has dealt with her, those things herself personally in her life as a caregiver and also a person who's dealing with her own issues. Well, she was a real cheerleader for me, Doug. Um, I, she knew I was writing this book, and she said to me, she kept saying to me, when are you going to get this out? When are you going to get this out? And I said, why do you care? Do you, do you really want to read it? And she goes, well, duh. Hmm. So I, I sent it to her, and I said, okay, this is just a draft. I don't want, you know, don't show it to anybody. And she got back to me, and she and her husband took it with them on vacation and read it aloud to each other. And she said, Michelle, this is of the top two um, topics that come up on our show, right. Take sure. Two with Jerry and Debbie. Exactly. And she said, you've got to get this out. Right. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because you, you, you talk about walking the way of the cross, and you talk about how you came upon that, uh, that concept of formatting that book around the way of the cross. Talk about that. Well, and it was, that's what finally got me off the dime, so to speak. I'd been doing little things, and I was, it was during a Lent, mm -hmm. and I was standing in church, you know, going through mm -hmm. the Stations of the Cross with the rest of the parishioners. And all of a sudden, I started to flash back to different things that had happened to my husband and I during that eight-year journey. Right. And I started to tear up. And I, I, I realized in that moment, even though you don't think about it when you're actually doing it, that it truly was walking the way of the cross. 
Now you say, I begin each chapter with a scripture verse and end with a prayer. I've also included reflection questions. Was that your own idea? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, and, the, and the call out boxes with the lessons right. learned because I give stories, right. but I'm not just giving them just because right. I'm giving them to like a parable almost to right. teach a lesson. As an example. Right. To, to point something out. And you also make the point in the world we live in today that you can always skip to those if you'd like to, right? That's right. And you have those in gray, gray boxes. Gray boxes. So it's clear. Now you also talk about at, in the appendix, you have a, a section entitled 13 Saints to Walk With in Hard Times. Yes. How'd you pick those 13? They were all ones that were important to me. Mm. I'm a very big person um, with saints, mm. and uh, I am a secular Carmelite, um, so a lot of them are yeah, Carmelite. I remember you made a point of uh, creating that on, on our website in the beginning about the saints. You go to the monthly calendar and, and learn about the saints. Yes, and, and these saints were all saints that we had prayed to at various times. You know, Padre Pio, we had the chance to pray with his bloody glove. Mm. You know, we, uh, St. Peregrine, the patron saint of cancer patients. Right. Um, but each of them was chosen for a different reason. And so people can find somebody who kind of relates me to their situation. situation. You also, you talk about why the battle is worth fighting, and you say that there's two kinds of people likely to pick up this book. Who are those two kinds? Well, the, the obvious one is caregivers or people who have a loved one that's a caregiver and they want to give the book to sort of help them. But the second group is a group that not everybody would think about, and it's the right to die people. The people who say, oh, you don't want to go through this, life isn't worth living, just kill yourself. It's the compassionate thing to do. Right. I want to put the lie to that. Mm -hmm. And I don't try to preach, you know what I mean? And I don't sugarcoat what we went through. But if you cut off your life, you are going to miss so much of the richness that mm -hmm. comes from seriously walking the way of the cross. There are good times that you're still going to have. There's memories that you can still make. Mm -hmm. and you become a better person as you go through this if you walk it with God. And that's where it sounds hackneyed because we talk about all the idea of redemptive suffering, that idea that all, all suffering is meaningful if you see it that way and the, and the things that you learn. And, and obviously, while Stu goes through that, he sees the love you have for him. Okay? At the same time, you're being refined by the fire of his illness, right? That's so true, Doug. And I mean, the one point that I, I make in here, there's a book that was written by a, a psychiatrist called Vic, Victor Frankl. Yes, yeah, sure. He, famous, famous book, Man's yeah. Search for Meaning. Yeah, coming out of the, the Holocaust. Yes. Right. And, and, you know, he said they could take everything away from him, but they couldn't take away how he was going to think about it. Mm -hmm. And that's true here, too. And I, I, I really make a point of it that this is a decision. You make the decision that you're going to walk with your loved one no matter what. Mm -hmm. And you make the decision you're going to walk with God through this no matter what. Right. And it is much more likely, as a, I, I have a quote on the back, if you understand your purpose as a caregiver, it's more likely to make you better than mm -hmm. bitter. And Now, I noticed in here, and you talk about death, and you said, I once worked for a man whose wife divorced him and then managed to take away custody for their only son. He lost hope and attempted suicide. Fortunately, he failed. I want to make clear, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about something way in the past. Yes, that's not and, you. And, and I do it because you have levity in the book. You try to 
bring out, you know, you talk about going to Wyoming yes. and, and the ups and downs of those things, but there are good times too, right? There are a lot of good times, and I, I can mention two of them. One is what you just said. Um, I came home from work one day, and my husband's sitting there, and he was really sick, Doug. Mm -hmm. But he had been researching things, and he decided we were going to go to a dude ranch. Right, right. Of that. all the right, things. Right, right, right. And I mean, I was blown away because we didn't ride horses or do any of that kind of thing. But we went, and it wasn't what I expected because there was a lot he couldn't do, mm -hmm. but there was a lot he could do. And I want to encourage people, you know what, as long as your loved one is up for it, right. for heaven's sakes, don't just sit at home and be sick. Right. You know, as my husband said, I can be sick anywhere. Right. Um, but the other thing is the quiet times where, um, you know, he had had surgery that we were hoping was going to reverse, he was becoming a, a quadriplegic. Right, right. And, um, is that the surgery he didn't want to tell you about? I know there's one in the story where he, he tells the doctor, well, don't tell her what we're... He, he, he didn't want me... He had told the doctor secretly that he wanted to come home right, to do right. the um, the rehab. That's right. And right. that was a huge mistake because right. I let them talk me into it. Mm -hmm. And I make a big point in the book of don't ever leave the hospital until things are are settled. Because if you go home like we did, mm -hmm. and it, you can't do it yourself, you can't you get can't, back You can't in. just go back, right? right? And you point that out. And you also make the point here, doctors are not God. Doctors are not God. And I mean, that is incredibly important because mm -hmm. most doctors are told, don't give people false hope. Mm -hmm. But most of them, unfortunately, take it, don't give people any, any hope. Any hope. And so many times, you know, my husband lived eight, eight years mm -hmm. past the diagnosis and his cancer was off the charts because it had been misdiagnosed for, for a year. year right and you, you talk about how they, they thought it was just like a wound from working out or something and it turned out he had melanoma on, melanoma on the bottom of his foot, on the bottom right? of his foot which is a highly unusual place to find something I would think like that although I mean we found out you know you think it's skin of course skin cancer well mm -hmm. that's going to be on your face yeah, yeah, right. when you would think that but it does happen more often than you would think mm -hmm. in these places that you wouldn't guess. And that's why I make another point. Right. If you go to a number of doctors and they can't figure out what's going wrong, go to someone in a different specialty. Yeah, you mentioned that point because they're, they have such a narrow focus. They only focus on that one thing. Yes. And that might limit them saying, well, maybe it's really something else. Right, right. Right, which you had with this where they did the surgery, but they did a biopsy. And that's when they came up with it. That's them, right? when they found out. Right. And they had done the biopsy. They didn't do it in the big hospitals where you would have expected it. They did it in the little mm -hmm. tiny hospital where, you know, you would have thought they weren't as good. No? Which you thought was a little seedy, little as seedy. I recall. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but it's a wonderful life. How so? It's a wonderful life because, oh my gosh, the things that I found out about my husband, the courage that I watched him display. I mean, Doug, what, I'm just going to give one example. When he had to get his leg amputated, it was filled with cancer. I mean, it was really awful. Mm -hmm. And um, I was terrified. Oh, my gosh. And I remember it was the very, he, they made us wait the entire day. It was the very end of the day. And, you know, the, they came in to bring him. And he had been, I, he had been 10 years in the Navy. I mean, he went to the Naval Academy. He was a brave man, but I didn't ever knew how brave. Mm -hmm. And I remember him turning. Um, as they started to wheel him out, and he put his hands on either side of the bed, and he just, I saw him go, like he was going into battle. Right, he was preparing I, I, for I, battle. It still makes me, like, 
oh, you know? And he told me later on, I mean, when you get your leg amputated, he said he, 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 they wheeled him in, I would have passed out. They have a saw on the table, and he saw that. Right. Oh my gosh, right. oh. Now, as you get into, and you, you start off with the station across, Jesus meets his mother. It was the Blessed Mother who brought Stu and me to Jesus, and who stood by us in our trials. She's ready to do the same for you. How did she do that? Well, and that, I go into our whole kind of faith walk. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I was not always the person I am now. Mm -hmm. And um, it was Medjugorje, and I, I say Medjugorje, but I also make a point, I'm a daughter of the church, it's not an approved apparition yet, and I right. bow to whatever the church says about it. Um, but, you know, my sister sent me a bunch of books, and I read them, and I, I'm a big reader. And I, it was like St. Paul being knocked off the horse, right. because they were, you know, purportedly words the Blessed Mother had said and they mirrored what I had learned in my childhood. But, it, you know, I was going to church, but I, I didn't have that conversion of heart yet. And I started going to daily mass, and I'm going to confession all the time, and, you know, that kind of thing. And it's all our lady, you know what I mean? Right. Bringing... Uh, and he had a major experience there, didn't he? He had a major experience there. We went, and um, he was a Protestant. Right. Called himself a Northern Baptist? Yeah, as opposed <laughs> to the Southern Baptist. You know, he was so serious, you know. And uh, yes, we, uh, <laughs> we, we went to church, and that's when the Blessed Mother would appear to the, the children there. Right. And the first night we're there, we're praying the rosary, and I, I was showing him how to say the rosary. He didn't even know. Mm. Second night we were there, I was leaving him on his own, okay? Mm. I look over, and he's crying. And he didn't cry. So at first I thought, well, okay, mm -hmm. keep praying, look over, and now he's a mess. And so I said to him, you want to go outside? And he, he nodded. And we go outside, and we're sitting on the side of the church. I'm like, honey, what happened? And he said to me, remember, he's a Protestant, and his mother had died, you know, previously. Right. And he said to me, there is a purgatory. Because he didn't believe the purgatory. Because he didn't believe it. And my mother is there. Mm -hmm. he, uh, oh, what? Yeah. And I mean, I remember saying to him, oh, how do you know? And he said he was just sitting there praying. And all of a sudden, he felt like this electricity almost coming up and down his arms. And he opened his eyes to see who it was. And he said, you know, he, he felt this. Now, he's trying to describe it. He was having right. difficulty. Right. It was like this crushing sense of despair in the middle of his chest. Mm -hmm. And he was just given to know that that was how his mother was feeling. And it's because, you know, they had no service. They, they, they cremated her and they scattered right. her ashes. And at the time, I had said to him, honey, we should pray for your mother. It's the only time he ever got mad at me about the faith. He said, he she's like, already in heaven. Right? Yes, yeah, she's in right, heaven. Right, right. Well, and, what are you saying? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and I said, okay, okay. She didn't go to hell. She's in purgatory. Most of us will go there. Mm. And we went and talked to a priest and he said, this is a great grace. Your mother needs prayers. Right. And that was preparing us, little did we know, for what we would be right. going through. As an example of your reflection questions, you have one, what are you doing or what could you be doing to better cope with your shock and fear at a diagnosis? You talk about when you get a cancer diagnosis. Is the possibility that your loved one may be dying impacting your faith? If so, who might you ask to help you better handle this spiritual crisis? And in fact, that's the question you kind of try to answer yourself is when you find out there's not going to be a miracle. How does that impact your faith? And there's an entire chapter on that. Um, right. In fact, there's a couple chapters on it where I really go into it, Doug, because 
You know, most of us, as we've talked about before, are not going to get the physical miracle. That's why it's a miracle. But, you know, there, I, I think of two things. Number one, Jesus didn't get the physical miracle. You know, the, his, the Father sent His only Son. This is where the, your faith becomes real. Yeah, if the cup can be passed, let it Please, pass Let it me. pass for me. Right. But if not, thy will be done. And right. He was crucified. So if that could happen to him, what makes us think it wouldn't happen to us? The servant is not greater than the master. But Jesus had a purpose to save us from our sins. What's our purpose? God has a purpose for us to be going through this. The second thing I think about is the parable of the paralytic being dropped through the roof. And, you know, they wanted the physical healing. And what does Jesus say? Uh, courage on your sins are forgiven. And people are like, what? You know, and, and he's, he looks around. He knows their hearts. He knows they want the physical healing. He says, but so you may know that the Son of Man has the, you know, the authority right, to I'm forgive gonna sins. I'm going to do that too. I'm going to do that too. But which is greater? But which is greater? Right. Exactly, exactly, Doug. Right. Which is greater? greater that's right. the healing of right. the, that's the miracle that most of us will get. Right. And. Yeah, and you talk about in this chapter about uh, about how it's important. Uh, it's far from being foolish, a person has to have hope. You say, lesson learned. Choose hope because hope is essential. Do not let anyone, anyone take it away. Guard it with everything you've got. Your life and the life of your loved ones depend on hope. It depends on hope because the, the one thing I talk about is God is not only love. God is hope. And if you allow somebody to take away your hope, that's allowing them to take away your God, and that can lead to despair. And, you know, that's where I make the point that these doctors are not God. These go to someone you can talk to. I remember um, Janet Bankovic Williams. Right, you talk about getting in touch with her. And, yeah, and, and just Having talking. lost her husband, obviously, and then obviously the death of her son as well. Yes, right. and having somebody that, not just anybody, because you can have people will say cruel things sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, but somebody that understands and that can just in talking about it. I remember when my I heard that my husband was going to have his leg amputated. Mm-hmm. I was could I could hardly breathe, and I called my mother in that case, and I'm, I'm talking to her, and finally I just burst out and I said, "Mom, I'm so scared," and she said, "Honey, what are you afraid of?" And I said, "I don't see how he's going to be able to sit." Mm-hmm. That sounds dumb now, but that's what I thought. In saying that, though, Doug, I felt the fear start to drain. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need to talk it out. Right. Because if you don't and you bottle it up, oh. Right. But you also talk about the idea, and you can do this, Chapter 4, that, you know, when you're in that tough time and you have an experience you, to do, where you have to do something you really don't want to do, but you know you have to do it, you say, Divine Physician, help me. That prayer was given to me. I was standing outside the room. I did not want to have to go in and wrap my husband's leg. It filled with cancer, smelly, mm-hmm. leaking, you know. Mm-hmm. Humanly, I didn't want to do sure. it. Sure. But that prayer just was given to me in the moment. Divine physician, help me. And I can't even explain it, Doug. I mean, the, the grace rushes on you. And I mean, I walked in and I said, hey, honey, you know, let's do this. And he's like, I'm so sorry I'm putting you through this. And I said, it's not a problem. And in that moment, it wasn't because I got the grace. And the point I'm trying to make mm-hmm. to people is God is there for you if you ask Him. Elsewhere you go on and, and you talk about some of the 
more practical things and the things that do happen, like when you disagree, um, I guess whether it's treatment or whatever. Also, when you're, when you're seriously ill, loved one is unreasonable. That's right. Both those things are super important. Mm. I mean, I, I do think that when someone is has a terminal or a possibly terminal diagnosis, it's their life on the line. And, you know, you want to give them first place in terms of making a decision. But in our case, I, I point out, um, we moved from Pennsylvania mm -hmm. down here for me to right, take this job. You talk about you yeah. making that move. And, and, and I, I always thought it was great. I always remember saying how much Stu and even talks about, like, you're the future now. You're our future now. Yes. Your job and what you're yes. doing. And he, and he supported you 100%. He did. He did. Right. But he, the doctors here wanted to put him through more chemo than the doctors up in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do that. And I was concerned because he had had a very bad reaction to the last chemo he had taken. Um, but, you know, I brought it up to him. Um, but he had a good reason. He just said to me, honey, if I don't do this and it, you know, comes back, which it would end up doing, he said, um, I'll always wonder if I could if have. If I had done it, if I if gave I had it that done shot. It. Right. So I had to give him that. But then the other part, which you mm -hmm. mentioned about disagreeing, um, when somebody's on heavy drugs, heavy drugs, right. It can change their personality. Absolutely. And Just like pain does and suffering pain, does. Yes. I mean. And they can snap and they can mm -hmm. get more. And there were three incidents right in a row where he was, you know, yelling at me. Right. And, you know, I was trying to be, you know, saintly mm -hmm. and take it. And then finally, the third time, I was like, okay, look. Yeah, you unloaded yeah. my head, right? <laughs> and, and so I make the point, you know, while the first time, you know, just say to them, honey, you know, wait till the incident's over, you know, and, and things are calm. And just say, honey, this is hard for me too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just talk it out. And chances are they don't know they hurt you. And it's better to get it clear the air up front than to wait until you explode. Right, exactly. And you go through all the different, you're talking about learning the lessons of driving 10 hours to MD Anderson and, and the idea of trying to add a little joy into that. Uh, while you're doing it. Also, I thought this was interesting. Learn lesson, page 171. Does God care about the color we paint our bathroom? If we ask him to, he does. How good it is to know we are not alone. What made you talk about the bathroom? Well, I had to make decisions when my husband got his leg amputated. It's the other thing I make a point of. Mm -hmm. Nobody tells you ahead of time, because the surgeons are focused on, you know, getting the leg off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you better prepare your house. And it was suddenly like, well, we can't release them until you have your house ADA right, compliant. Right, we had to have the bathroom redone and the whole area redone. Right? Yeah, so I you mean, could get around. Right. right? right yeah. And, you know, I usually would take forever to make a decision like that. You know, well, how is it going to look? And what's the paint and the tile? And, and I just was like, Lord, you got to help me. I, and I was making decisions like that. And they ended up, I mean, I made decisions against what the guy thought would look good. And as the painter was doing, he went, this looks great. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you, God. You know, I mean, little stuff, it's how God shows up. And he, that's why I make the point. Does God care about the color we paint our bathroom? Right. He does if you ask him. Now, you talk about the fact in chapter 21, making the most of your final days. You say, my husband's only expected to live a week, maybe two instead he lived over a month, which was another great blessing. In reflections, you say, what does my loved one need from me now? Permission to go home, question mark. A prayer asking that his or her heart be turned completely to God, question mark. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the hard, that's where you're getting into the really hard stuff, Doug. Because, 
You know, I remember when it became clear he was in the hospital. His stomach had been eaten up with cancer. He was, you know, throwing up. It was, it was the end. And I went to the altar in our house and I said, "Okay, Jesus, it's clear to me now that it's not your will that my husband live. So I'm asking you, and you have to say yes to this, to turn his heart completely to you." so that he can achieve the highest degree of glory possible. And Doug, that prayer was answered immediately. We, you know, I, I went down to, into his room. There was a priest staying with us, different people. He came in, he's like, Stu, you know, do you want to say mass? And he just turned this radiant mm -hmm. face to him and said, yes. Mm -hmm. And anytime anybody wanted to pray, you know, he was there. And, you know, I had to watch as he detached, right. you know, from our dogs, from me. But that kind of thing has to happen. And, you know, at, at one point, this is before that, he had said to me, honey, I hate to leave you alone in this terrible world. And, you know, he was paralyzed. Right. And he couldn't have. Um, and I just looked at him and I, I took his hand, even though I don't think he could feel it, but mm -hmm. it was, and I said, honey, you can't think you can take better care of me than Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I know that helped him to process what he had to process. Right. Yeah, well, protection and uh, looking after is, uh, you know, the man's thing. Th his role and what he was concerned about and and, and your future. And, and it's also at a point here where it says there may come a time when people ask themselves, what's the point? Did you have that point? I, of course, it, it always crosses your mind, Doug. You know what I mean? Like, but then. You know, I prayed it through. I, I, I sat with the Lord and let Him show me some of the things I was talking about earlier. You know, I went through this. And, you know, and I, He showed me as we went through it. I mean, Doug, I'm not the most patient person in the world, but I had to develop patience through this. He showed me that He was there. Every time I turned to Him, that's the miracles. Mm -hmm. the, the baby, what we would consider baby miracles, which are actually not baby miracles. Nothing is, is, is small. Um, but it wasn't the one where I wanted right. him to just get up and be yeah. like, okay, I'm fine now, you know. Right. Um, but sure, you know, I mean, you have the thoughts, but you decide. It's love is a decision. Being with your loved one is a decision. Right. Right. And I want to encourage people that is the best decision you could ever make in your life. Right. It will change everything for the better. If you, if, you do, if you don't do that, the stuff that you will cut off from your right. life, right. it's a tragedy. And the, and the regrets that you'll probably be dealing with in the future, which you don't want to deal with. So your web address is caregiversofthecross.com. What is that? Just tell us quickly. It's a site where um, I am encouraging people. I've got um, all kinds of information for mm -hmm. caregivers as well as um, links to our social media site. You can get a free chapter there, the one on our little trip to Wyoming. Okay. That's a free chapter you can sign up for. Um, and it just kind of, I want it to become a community, right. Doug, Caregivers of the Cross, right. because I think we need it. Absolutely. Walking the Way of the Cross for Caregivers, How to Cope Practically, Emotionally, and Spiritually When a Loved One Has a Serious Illness. Michelle Johnson, thank you for writing it. Thank you. Thank you for coming and working here at EWTN all these years. And this book is available through our EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com. It's a wonderful read. Check it out. I'm Doug Keck. Thank you for joining us here on Bookmark. We shall see you next time.